Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. But Liebeck, or Liebeck, however it's said, is the first Western group to get into North Korea and will always have that on their resume. That's right. They, have, did, they you, have the little trophy that right. says, number one. You, you didn't do it. They did it. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Now, in the news not too long ago, and I try to be as up-to-date in terms of news in this show as possible, oftentimes when a a news story hits, music follows. Mm -hmm. Something will happen in the news, music will follow. President Barack Obama made a trip to Cuba. Yes, he or, did. Or the way people in the news industry are pronouncing it to try and sound cool. Cuba. He made a trip to Cuba. Now, stop it. It's Cuba. Oh, but that that's fine. I want to go. What happened almost immediately following him leaving? Mm, the Rolling Stones. Right. The Rolling Stones put on a concert in Havana, Cuba. That's and, right. They and, had to do it before they died to make the circle of life, Simba. <laughs> now, you mean Cuba or do you mean the Rolling Stones? Oh, both of them. Right. Now, here's the thing. It was free. It was sort of the Woodstock of Havana, Cuba, and over a half a million people showed up. Now, those are just preliminary numbers. Um, My guess is when you look at some of the flyover pictures, maybe it's not a half a million people, but still a lot of people showed up Mm -hmm. and people were knocked out by this. So it got me thinking. The Rolling Stones go to Cuba, and they say this is the largest rock and roll concert ever to be performed in Cuba. Well, you know, Maybe. probably the first rock and roll concert, period, because when the embargo began, was rock and roll really around? So now the gates have opened. Is rock and roll going to be allowed? Are bands going to start flooding in there? I don't know. But it got into my head, Rolling Stones, first to go into Cuba— Where else in the communist world, where else in the shut-off world, were rock bands the first to go in? Ooh. Right. And I found... Thank you. I found seven other instances Uh -uh. where bands were, quote, the first to go in. First into Russia, first into Germany, first into blah, blah, blah. And believe it or not, I found a band, a Western band, that has made its way into North Korea. Really? Yes, and I have that band to play for you today. But first, we'll start with the Rolling Stones. I don't have any of the concert that they played in Havana. There are really bad cell phone posted videos Mm -hmm. that don't have any decent quality. So I have for you the song they kicked off the Havana Cuba concert with. That's Jumping Jack Flash. But I have it from Get Your Yaya's Out. That's okay. We'll take it any way we can get it. I'm going to start with this little one-minute promotional video that the Rolling Stones made that is in Spanish, 
So okay. when you hear it, the voiceover is in Spanish, and the four guys you hear yelling are the Rolling Stones. This is easy to find online. Simply look for the Rolling Stones are coming to Cuba. Do that search, and you will find it on YouTube with no trouble, and you'll see all the videos. In the same way that you put out a uh, an advertisement, you know, hey, Duran Duran is coming to uh-huh. New Orleans. Get your tickets now. That's what they did, and it's in Spanish, so I'm going to play that for you, at least the audio, first, and then right into, from Get Your Yaya's Out, Jumping Jack Flash. And it Sweet. Sounds, yeah, it sounds like this on Rock School. Hola, Cuba! Estamos muy felices de tocar para ustedes. Hemos tocado en muchos lugares increíbles, pero este concierto en La Habana será histórico para nosotros. Esperamos que lo sea para ustedes también. Gracias por darnos la bienvenida a su hermoso país. Esperamos verlos a todos el 25 de marzo en Ciudad de Deportiva de La Habana. Jumping Jack Flash from Get Your Yaya's Out. Let me tell you more, a little bit more at least, about the Rolling Stones in Havana, Cuba. Mm -hmm. Did you know the Pope attempted to intervene to get the concert moved? Now, online, you're going to see some people in social media who don't take the time to, well, I don't know, read the entire news story, who say that the Pope attempted to get the concert canceled. No, he didn't. The Pope attempted to get the concert moved because the concert was on Good Friday. There. The Pope, what's the Pope doing sticking his nose in this? Well, the Pope was actually instrumental in getting President Obama's visit to Cuba. So when he heard the Rolling Stones were going to play, he wrote a letter. Okay. We're the Rolling Stones. We get handwritten letters from the Pope. Uh Uh-huh. So he sent a letter stating, can you please at least move the concert off of Good Friday? Right. And the Rolling Stones wrote a nice letter back stating, well, we have a contract. You know, people have been paid. Now, the concert was free, Mm -hmm. but people were paid. You have to pay somebody to come out and run the electricity, run the sound and all of that. Everybody's been paid. Everybody thinks they're coming to this free concert. You have to know this is an island nation and people are traveling from how far away to get here. Right. There's a contract. We're going to honor it. And they gave many instances to the Pope of concerts that were going on that day mm-hmm. other places in the world. So we're going to keep it right there. Very polite. But the fact remains, I'm sorry, Pontiff, we're, we're going to keep it on that day. And we'll serve fish. And we'll serve fish. There you go as well. Fish on Friday. It says here from the L.A. Times, there was little room for rock and roll in Fidel Castro's communist revolution. It says here the bands like the Beatles and the Stones were seen as agents of, quote, cultural imperialism. 
uh, a famed Cuban musician by the name of Silvio Rodriguez lost his television show and probably had some other bad things happen to him when he defended the Beatles on air. Lost the whole television show. Wow. Cuban leaders saw countercultural music of the 1960s and 70s as a direct challenge to their authority. A guy named Eric Zoloff, a Latin American studies professor at State University New York Stony Brook, stated, quote, it's subversive, or it was subversive. He said, quote, it challenged hierarchy, challenged paternalism and anti-authoritism. You can't build a revolution on irreverence and rock and roll is irreverent. Yes, it is. (laughs) There you are. Uh, Restrictions on music in Cuba are long gone and rock has since been eclipsed by reggae, rap and electronic. Uh, Those are the most popular forms of music among young Cubans today. But if you looked at any of the post-concert stuff, Mm -hmm. there were people my age, your age and my much, much younger, older. Right. Much younger? Well, younger too, but the much older was so much fun because they were the ones who were oppressed. They were the ones that said, you can't have the Stones. You can't have the Beatles. And here was the uncorking, the release. There was this one woman who, you know, didn't speak a word of English, who had to be in her 70s, who was absolutely overjoyed that there was Mick Jagger in a pink sequined coat singing to her. Wow. She was absolutely knocked out. So one more from the Stones. This was their second song. I have their their list here. Uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, they opened with, obviously. It's Only Rock and Roll was their second song. So that's what I'm going to play. And you can guess they uh, they closed with I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Ooh, I want to see that whole list. Where can I, where can I see that list? Anywhere. At? Simply look up Rolling Stones Cuba set list. And there are not only simply text versions of the list, there are tweets of the set list because the people who were roadieing that day took the set list, held it up, turned it around, and it's got the famous lips and tongue logo. Right. And the tongue is the Cuban flag. Oh, oh, I want that on a t-shirt. This would never have been allowed under, you know, under Castro of the 60s and 70s. But they held it up to the audience and cell phones, you know, got all the pictures and they're tweeted out all over the place. But uh, yeah, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Again, I don't have anything from the concert because the audio is just terrible. So this is from Love You Live on Rock School. Okay, enough about the Rolling Stones concert in Cuba. Let's move along. Okay. Let's talk about, well, the big communist elephant in the room. The big red elephant. Russia. Russia, yeah. Okay, the Mm -hmm. Cold War. You and I grew up through it. I don't know if you remember, if your school did it. I remember distinctly being told or being taught, get under the desk. Yeah. The bombs are falling. That's right. I still remember that. So we were afraid. The Russians were coming. They never were. They never came. They never came, but the Russians are coming. Who was the first artist to break into Russia? Now, I had always been of the opinion, and I think I said it on the show a few times, it was Elton John. 
Hmm. He was the first to play behind the Iron Curtain. And by the way, I have his story here. Okay. However, I found this other group that supposedly beat Elton John into the Iron Curtain by a year. And I'm going to tell you the story. And the reason I'm going to tell you is because I found a lot of websites that suggest that what I'm going to tell you is right. So I'm going to tell you about this band first. Okay. I have not heard of this band. Maybe it's just because I wasn't a disco fan. You hadn't heard of this band, but I'm going to tell you the story. There is a German disco band, and German has got to be the reason it got into Russia rather than the United States. Have you ever heard of Boney M? Never. Boney, B-O-N-E-E-Y, and then just the letter M. This was a disco band out of Germany that had people who were Jamaican in it, making it up. They were apparently, in the late 1970s, a sensation in Russia. And they were, and you can find these pictures easily, they were the first band ever invited, Western band, ever invited to come and play a concert behind the curtain by none other than Leonid Brezhnev. Wow. This was in 1978, late 1978. There are pictures of them walking, playing, and having their music sort of, not videotaped, but as close to a video as you could get. Now we dance. Yeah, now is the time on Sprockets when we dance. Their pictures are for sale on the internet of them walking around in disco clothing. You know, the big uh, fur jackets with the huge collars and such. Absolutely. Yeah. It says here they were a cult band. I knew nothing of them. And what's funny is even though they were invited to Russia, Mm -hmm. they had a song that was banned in Russia called Rasputin. And you can probably understand why Rasputin was banned. So what I did is I went and I looked and they've had a ton of number one hits. In Europe, Mm -hmm. but not here, especially in Germany. So I'm going to play for you their number one-ist song. It's called Daddy Cool. Here is Boney M, supposedly the first band to break the Iron Curtain on Rock School. She's crazy like a fool. Okay, into the first break. There's Boney M. I kind of like it. I did too. It's it's disco. It is exactly what you think it would be. You said they sounded like an early Duran Duran. Yeah, they do. I don't know where you're getting that. But. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk for the first break, and then out of the first break, we'll play a song. Elton John. Yeah. The next year, 1979, Elton John plays a series of eight shows in Moscow and Leningrad. And what's interesting, according to Elton John... There's nothing special about why he was the first person. And this comes from him. There's nothing special about why he's the first person to play in Moscow. He states, I was just the first person to ask. He said they were not against somebody coming. It's just there was this belief system that no one would be allowed to go. Really? And he asked. It says right here, there's a wonderful uh, video you can get. I'm assuming it's now available on DVD. It's called From Moscow with Elton. It's his shows. 
the shows were set up, and you think of Elton John, full stage production, yeah. 10 instruments, full grand piano. Mm, that's not the way it was done. What about the goofy done. glasses? Again, no? not quite the way it was done. You can go online and see a lot of songs clipped out of the video from Moscow with Elton. But he toned everything down, huh? He was told to. It says here he had a series of communist, quote, curators that recommended he should not jump and stay on his piano stool while performing. The concerts went this way. He came out and first performed a solo set on just a Steinway piano and then came out and did a second set with Ray Cooper accompanying him on, it says here drums, but Ray Cooper's really a percussionist, mm-hmm. and he plays you know, anything that can make a noise by being struck, Ray right. Cooper can play it. And in the video that I'm going to play, I'm playing the audio from one of the, the videos, uh, so the, the audio isn't the greatest, you can hear voiceover as well of Elton John explaining it. If you see the video... He, Cooper, is trying with everything he has. He's going out and, you know, saying to the audience, let's go, get up. You know, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. nothing. And uh, you'll hear in the video that Elton says when somebody tried mm-hmm. to get up, somebody in a blue suit came over and said, sit back down. Calm down. Sit back down. Don't sit get radical down. here. Okay. No we'll dancing. Ta- yeah. We'll take our break. We'll come back. We'll play the Elton John song for you. KSKQ Ashland, Oregon. Thank you for running the radio show. WYAP in Clay, West Virginia. Back in a minute with Elton John on Rock School. out of the break to stay on time we're going to go right into the song however one more little piece of information the album a single man would become elton john's first officially released album in the ussr the problem is the phrase a single man yeah didn't translate nicely into russian Uh oh so the title was redone to elton sings that's it. All right. All right. It, you know, hey. Hey, it, some Elton is better than no Elton at all, right? <laughs> right? Everybody needs a little bit of Elton. Mm-hmm. So here you go. From the video, so the audio isn't quite eh, wonderful, here's Benny and the Jets, live in Russia, 1979 on Rock School.
out of Elton John, man, are we late in the show. You've seen a lot of pictures now on uh, your iPadio device yeah, there. Yeah, images from 1979. He's young, isn't he? He is. And we're old now, aren't we? We are. Yeah. It made me very sad. We're going to hear from Joan Jett here in a little bit. She was one of the first to get into a communist country. We'll tell you about it in just a moment. But first, I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. This is 7 Days and 70 Seconds. These are the rock and roll dates, March 28th through April 3rd, and it covers an epochal date, and I'll tell you about it once we get there. You got Monday, go. March 28, 1976, Genesis began their first North America tour since Peter Gabriel left the band, appeared in Buffalo, New York, with Phil Collins taking over as lead singer. March 29, 1966, Rolling Stone Mick Jagger was injured during a gig after a fan threw a chair on stage. He required eight stitches. March 30, 1969, 16-year-old Leslie Gore recorded her breakthrough hit, It's My Party. And the song produced by Quincy Jones went to be number one. March 31, 1949, RCA Victor introduces the 45 RPM single record, which had been in development since 1940. April 1st. That's your, wait, that's the date. April 1st, April Fool's Day. What's so big about that date? Shut up, it's my birthday. It's your birthday. It's my party, I'll cry if I want to. Good for you. April 1st, 1970, as... Uh, April Fool's joke, John Lennon and Yoko Ono issued a statement to the press uh-oh, that they were having dual sex change operations. Really? <laughs> yeah. April 2, 1998, Rob Pilatus, one half of the pop duo Millie Vanilli, uh-huh. was found dead in a Frankfurt hotel room after taking a lethal combination of drugs and alcohol. Mm. And then April 3, 1969, The Doors, Jim Morrison, turns himself into the FBI in Los Angeles. I wouldn't even know where to go to turn myself into the FBI. It's a big door that has FBI on it. Is that true? Yeah, Is it he- somewhere in New Orleans? Yep, you'll, yeah, you'll see it. He was charged on six charges of lewd behavior, public exposure at a concert in Miami, and was released on $2,000 bail. Okay. Wish I had been at that concert. <laughs> yeah, and, and had a front row seat. Something for the ladies. Look at that. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. They have gone to a remote jungle site in the Dominican Republic. They were one of the first English-speaking bands to play in Panama. They have played in Lapland. They have played in Kuala Lumpur. And in March of 1989, they capped off months of relentless touring with five sold-out shows on Broadway. However, they were the first American act of any kind to perform in communist East Germany. How about that? Oh Joan Jett. Yep. It says here, Jett describing her experience in Weimar, East Germany, uh, in the winter of 1982. She said, I expected armed guards to be everywhere. There weren't. There were guards at the border, but there weren't guards everywhere. As far as rock and roll goes, she said, the concerts were mind-boggling. The kids were allowed as much freedom as any American show we have gone to. No one told the kids to sit down. We did two shows in the DDR, which I'm assuming is the place that they played. Uh, After each show, we sat in the bus for hours signing autographs, giving away pics, backstage passes. The feeling I got was even more euphoric than what I usually feel on stage. The audience sang Crimson and Clover, which was a hit for her back in 82. And she said, I kept wondering to myself, where in the world did these kids hear this? Bootleg tapes, I guess. So I have for you live Joan Jett, Crimson and Clover, here on Rock School. Uh, 
All right, coming into the second break, uh, you went and looked up pictures of Joan Jett in 1982, didn't you? I did, and now yeah. I'm very sad. She's, pre- she's pretty today. Why didn't they keep her in Germany? Wow, she pretty, pretty woman. No two ways about it. Oh, pretty woman. There is a band called, I believe this is the pronunciation, this is what I got, there's a little pronunciation next to the name. Yeah, yeah, I know Wikipedia, but Leibach. It might be Leibach. Okay. L-A-I-B-A-C-H. It is a Slovenian band that proclaims they are industrial, martial, and neoclassical. Fine. Formed in 1980. So what? They are liked by none other than the leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un. Oh, my dear. And they played. They are the first Western band to have played... In Pyongyang, the, the capital. Did the great leader come and ask them to play? Or how, do, how, does, how does one get in touch with the great leader themselves? None, none of that came out. How they got the gig, I have not found out. Is there a writer associated with this gig? Apparently, that's, that's funny. I get out alive? Right. What? No, not just that. The, the band was interviewed by Rolling Stone. And after we do the break, I'm going to give you some of the answers to mm-hmm. the questions that Rolling Stone gave them. They said they were treated unbelievably well. Of course, they had people with them, you know, keeping an eye on what they did. When when you and I toured Russia, we had a person with us keeping an eye on what we did, who was about the nicest person once you got to know her. Yeah, but you know what? What's that? Uh, we've been to Slovenia. I would never have to go back. <laughs> it's, I might it's stay not, in North Korea. It's not Slovenia. It's North Korea we're interested in. The thing is, they put on, it looks like two concerts uh, inside of Pyongyang, one at the Pyonghua Theater, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and then an acoustic set at the Kumsong Music School. Again, I <laughs> hope I'm pronouncing these correctly. Did you say Did you say acoustic set? Yeah. <laughs> With, I don't know. I think it's just them. Okay. It was dubbed the Liberation Day Tour, marked two sets, the Liberation Day Tour, marked the seventh anniversary of Korea's independence from Japan after World War II. And again, Rolling Stone interviewed them, and I'm going to tell you their answers after we take this. I can't wait to hear this. WOUB, Athens, Ohio. Thanks for running the radio show. And WXZY in Kane, PA. Make as much fun of this group as you want, but Liebeck, or Liebeck, however it's said, is the first Western group to get into North Korea and will always have that on their resume. That's right. They have have the little trophy that says, number one. You didn't do it. They did it. So shut up. We'll be back in a minute on Rock School. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a squeaky toy. <laughs> this is, we, we have Squeak it. three cats. We have no dogs, but you purchased a squeak toy, a dog toy of Kim Jong-il. That's the Year, father. Years okay. ago. <laughs> there it is. Years ago. You know, I have to take a picture of that and put it up on Facebook mm-hmm. to prove to people that I'm not kidding. And he's holding a nuclear weapon. Yes, he is. He's holding a nuclear warhead. Oh, that's fantastic. Getting back to Leibach or Labach or however it's pronounced, you looked up pictures of them. They're military. They're always dressed in some weird military-esque thing. They look like male Janet Jacksons. It looks like a Saturday Night Live skit. It does. But again, make fun of them, but they're the first ones in there. Mm -hmm. Rolling Stone did a full interview with the band, and no, they did not get to meet Kim Jong-un, but apparently he did come and see one of their concerts, but they did not get to meet him. 
They had 30 people following them around. And when you say following them around, you know, what are they doing? They were actually there taking care of their every want and need. Wow. You know, would you like something to eat? Here's nine things to eat. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they were well taken care of. At least they were eating, right? According to them, that... At least they were taken around to places that didn't have shortages of food. Mm -hmm. They were shown what was good. Everybody was fed. They said beer is excellent there, and there are a lot of microbreweries, and everybody drinks. I'm sure this is the concept. Keep everybody drunk. Keep everybody happy. Smoking is encouraging. Is encouraged. Uh, You can walk around with open containers, and cannabis is allowed. You're allowed to smoke dope. It's legal there. According to this band, you're allowed to smoke dope. Uh, He suggested, the band suggested there was little reaction from the audience, and the best they could get was when the Beatles song Across the Universe was played. Some of them nodded their heads, giving the impression they had heard it before. Mm. So what I have for you here is Leibach, Leibach, however it's pronounced. I have their version of Across the Universe. This is the song that moved the North Korean people. On Rock School. Birds are flying out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither while they pass their sleep away across the universe. Pools of sorrow, waves of joy. Last break here on Rock School, and I have two more to tell you about. One's quick, one's not so quick, so we'll do the quick one first. Okay. Sting was the first Western performer to play Ho Chi Minh City. There you are. The uh, Vietnamese city, which is still over there, called Saigon, Uh which was under communist control and was opening itself up. And now is a real tourist destination. Right. But at the time, 1996... He was the first to get in there and play. And there is a, a wonderful you know, series of stories that were done through The Guardian, which is where I got a lot of this information. And he wanted to know, he, Sting, still unanswered, you know, wanted to know, why was he chosen? Was this you know, a demand for his music? Was it simply him being a pawn in this game? Or was this the, the Paulette Bureau people simply liking him and bringing him in because they wanted to Only listen to Only Sting would have all of those questions. Well, the tickets were equal to one month's pay pay of a Vietnamese person and when the audience came in it was almost all high-ranking people and some in the back Mm -hmm. could you know could see the concert and the one we're going to play from this is we have these huge concerts here especially here in New Orleans I mean we have Voodoo Fest and and we have all these different all these things right the first sort of fest in Russia was called the Moscow Music Peace Festival, and it was a one-time thing. It was a one-off of all-profile hard rock acts performing in Moscow on the 12th and 13th of August, 1989. And it was to promote world peace and bring attention to drug use by young people in Moscow. Okay, get it. And it's got serious names along with what was at the time serious names in Russia. Mm-hmm. Cinderella was there. Scorpions were there. Skid Row, Motley Crue, Ozzy Osbourne, Bon Jovi. And at the end, there was a special guest. John Bonham came out and they performed rock and roll. 
Led Zeppelin's rock and wow. roll. Wow. But on the same aspect, Gorky Park was there, which was a Russian band. Nuance was there. Brigada S was there. So this was a massive undertaking, mm-hmm. which was to bring peace and was also supposed to talk about, hey, don't do drugs, except for the fact that when you talk to some of the people that went, there was rampant drug yeah. use amongst the American bands. Do you remember the story that Ozzy Osbourne one night got drunk, 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 and attempted to kill Sharon in his drunken haze? Yes, I do. This is that night. Oh, really? Because he's in Russia. And if you remember when we toured Russia, uh-huh. you couldn't walk into a building without being given... Vodka. H- how many shots of vodka? Mm-hmm. You probably, Constantly. Right. You probably, you probably could have pounded seven shots mm-hmm. every time you walked into a building because there was just a tray yes. of it. We had to, It was like water. You had to limit yourself. And beer could be purchased in two liter bottles mm-hmm. off the street. And at McDonald's. And at McDonald's. That's right. Mm-hmm. I remember that. We, we always go into a McDonald's no matter where we go. We had a lamb burger somewhere I don't remember at a McDonald's, but anyway, back to the back to this. Uh, that was the night he, uh, Ozzy, was given tons and tons of bottles of Russian vodka, and apparently took it upon himself to drink the whole thing. Oh my gosh! And completely blacked out and tried, tried to strangle Sharon. Which band am I going to play? Well, the Scorpions. The Scorpions, again, Germany, proximity. The Scorpions were spectacularly popular in Russia. So I have the Scorpions from Live Bites, which was a 1995 concert, not in Russia, but I do have some live stuff, and we're going to rock you like a hurricane to go oh, on out. Oh, thank you. So there you are. That's the ones I could find. I'm sure there are others, and somebody who's in the audience right now is yelling, hey, what about... Oh, tell please me- send it. Yeah, send tell me it. about it. Tell me about it. I'll post it on, on Facebook for uh, for other people to uh, to understand it. But we'll go out with the Scorpions. I'm Joe Burns. You I are? I am Tammy Burns. That does it. Class is dismissed. <laughs>